0: Shalom and blessings. This is Pastor Clifton McDowell Sr. here at the Church of God of East New York, located in the heart of Brooklyn. Thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast, and I pray this week's sermon blesses and encourages you for the journey. God bless. Now enjoy the sermon. Amen. Thank God for the reading of God's word. We're going to be talking about wisdom and talking about um, that that part of the, um, the Christmas story, We've been dealing with um, God's gifts for the season, God's gifts for the season. And today, we want to talk about that Christmas wisdom. You know that um, when you're traveling, when you're traveling, it's very important that you see and read the signs along the way. To ignore them is to end up at the wrong destination. Thank God. Thank God for the signs that he provides that lead us to the Christ, that lead us to the Lord, amen, who is is actually the wisdom of God. And if ever we needed wisdom, I'm sure you will agree, if ever we needed wisdom, we need it now, wisdom that leads us to Christ, his will and his way, and wisdom that, amen, that prompts us to follow him. Well, that the, the scripture that we're um, speaking from uh, is out of Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. The biblical account of the visitation of the wise men um, that traveled from the east, the Magi, is a story that is, is shrouded in mystery from tradition and even some Christmas songs, we seem and appear to know all the facts and details about their visitation. But as we study scripture, we find that there are some questions that just cannot be answered about the wise men and um, from the biblical text. Like like, um, how many were there? How many wise men? How many of the magi were there? How many? You say three. Well, we know that there had to have been at least two just from the personal pronouns that the text uses. Chances are that there were more than three, but we don't know. Got to be able to say we don't know. Where exactly did the Magi come from. Did they come from Persia, Arabia, Iran? We don't know. All we know is that they came from the East. They came from another country, and we need to keep in mind that Jesus was born and raised in the Middle East. He wasn't raised in New York. He wasn't raised in North America. How long? did the journey take? Was it days? Was it weeks? Was it months? Here again, we don't know. They just seem to show up mysteriously. And just as mysteriously, they are gone. But one thing I am certain about is this that the number of wise men and wise women continue to increase generation after generation as people continue to seek Christ. Let's look at the text. There are three facts about this journey, amen, this journey of people who receive Christmas wisdom as one of God's gifts the season I'm not going to read it again it's just been read but it's Matthew chapter 2 the first thing that I want you to notice is that this Christian wisdom Christmas wisdom that God provides for people on a journey amen to find the Christ is that it is a journey of faith it is a journey of faith They asked the question, the Magi asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose. Where is the one? We saw his star when it arose. What might prompt someone to leave the comfort and the safety of their home and country and go on what would have been a dangerous journey for the travel in that time and day, it was often dangerous. What would cause somebody to leave their their homeland? Would maybe romance, yes? Romance would cause people to do, listen, romance and love causes people to do all kinds of things. Maybe wealth, surely, most definitely wealth. Folks would do those kind of things, take those kind of journeys for wealth. But faith, faith, yes, faith. Where is the one who has been born the king of the Jews? What a probing question. There's no doubt in the language that they use that Jesus had been born there's no doubt in their wording in their thinking that who they're looking for has been in fact been born the question is not if he's been born but where is he they had seen the star the evidence was real now where is he they had faith that he was alive that he existed now all they needed was to find him. Their purpose was established. Find him. And so they were willing to risk everything to find him. They were willing to leave the safety and the comfort of their homes to risk what what would have been a perilous journey. Why? To seek a king. Can you imagine? (laughs) Can you imagine what some of those conversations might have been like as they were preparing to go, as they were packing their goods and packing um, their, their luggage to go. Can you imagine what some of the conversations might have been around the dinner table, around uh, with their families, with neighbors, uh, what the conversations would have been like with their co-workers as they prepared for a journey? Uh, are you going on a journey? Yes, we're going on a journey. Where exactly are you going? Well, we're not quite sure just where we're going, um, but we've got an idea that it's that way. Well, how far is it? Well, we don't know that either. How long are you um, going to be gone? Well, we're not quite sure about that either. People would have thought or might have thought, boy, for some wise men, you sure don't know much, do you? But you know, they must have said the same things about several other people in Scripture. They must have said the same thing to Abraham when he left his home for the promised land. They must have said the same thing to Noah when he began to build an ark, even though it had not reigned in history on the earth up until that point. They must have said the same thing to Peter, Andrew, John, and James as they left their fishing nets to follow Christ to become fishers of men. Are you crazy? Are you insane? Are you out of your minds? No. Not crazy, not insane, not out of my mind, but a person of faith. The scripture tells us, "A man in Hebrews eleven six, 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him you're taking notes, write this down. Journeys toward God and for God, write that, write that down. Journeys toward God and for God always, always involves faith. And Down through history, people of faith have been willing to respond to the call and to the challenges, amen, of the unknown because of faith. There was a man I was reading about, his name is William um, Carey. He was born near Northampton, um, uh, Reverend Yvonne Atkinson. He was born in North Ham- near Northampton, England on August 17, 1761. He was 14 years old when he became uh, an apprentice in a shoe shop. He was converted to the Christian faith at the age of 18 and he affiliated himself with a local Baptist church. And at the age of 26, he was ordained to the Christian ministry as a preacher. He became his income as a preacher, and this is not shocking, but his income as a preacher was so limited that in order for him to earn a living, in order for him to survive, He had to work as a shoemaker, kind of like Paul did. Paul was a tent maker. He was bivocational. Well, in his spare time, in his spare moments, he studied languages, biographies, and and the world's condition. And he acquired um, um, a knowledge or an understanding or the ability to speak French, Dutch, Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. One day he heard about millions of people in India who had not heard the gospel, who had not heard the good news of Jesus Christ. He believed the great commission that says go into all the world and preach the gospel, he believed that that verse was speaking directly to him. And so he went to his, his leadership, his elders, and he, he, had, he volunteered to go to India. He said, let me go, send me, support me, I'll go. They told him, young man, young man, young man, sit down. When God wants to convert, when God wants to convert the heathen in India, he'll do it without your help. Well, at the age of 32, Carry went anyway supporting himself went under his own dollar or his own pound since he's in England for 7 years he worked without seeing a single convert for 7 years he worked without seeing a man anyone come to Christ Many folks would have left. Many folks would have given up. Many folks would have said, that must not have been the God that spoke to me. But he knew what he knew that he knew, that his was a journey of faith. By the end of his life, at the age of 73, he had seen hundreds of churches and thousands of converts come to know Christ. And he had translated the word of God, the Bible, into 40 different languages and dialects in his 40 years in India. Today, he is known as the father of modern missions and the shoe cobbler who gave India the Bible. He was a man of faith and wisdom. Wisdom tells us Seek the Lord. Wisdom tells us, pursue his will and his way for your life. And remember, journeys toward God and for God always, always involves faith. The second fact that I want you to hold on to or receive about the journey of people who receive Christmas wisdom as one of God's gifts for the season is this. It is a journey of worship. It is a journey of worship. It is a journey that always involves faith, but it is also a journey of worship. In verse two, when the wise men came on their journey, It was for the purpose of worship. We saw his star when it rose and have come to do what? We have come to worship him. And it was towards that purpose that they brought with them gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These three gifts have a lot of symbolism associated with them. And some folk have taken it or assumed because there are three gifts, there must be three wise men, three magi. We don't know that. We know that there were at least two. But how many of you gave somebody, one person, more than one gift? See? We don't know. But the gifts that they gave held so much symbolism. Gold represents wealth. It is a gift said to be fit for a king. Jesus was not only a king, but he was king of kings. Frankincense was um, a substance that was... um, that came from a tree that as it, it's risen, as it sap-hardened, it was used as an ingredient in the incense that was used to worship God. And so with this gift, it is the gift of deity. It is the gift given to deity. Jesus was and is the Son of God. He told them, if you, when you see me, you have seen the Father, for we are one. And then there was the myrrh. Myrrh was a fragrant perfume that was used to anoint the dead, to embalm and preserve them. We know from scripture, man, and from the historical account and from the scriptural account, Jesus gave his life. He was... He was crucified on the cross. In fact, the scripture says that Jesus was the sacrificial lamb slain before the foundation of the world. But listen, there is more to worship than gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Write this down. Worship always involves sacrifice. Worship always involves sacrifice. There's a price to be paid. The wise men paid a price to worship. They gave themselves to this journey. They traveled no matter how many days and weeks and perhaps months. They gave themselves to this journey, even though it meant being uncomfortable, even though it meant not being in safe places. Listen, they didn't travel by plane. They didn't travel by train. They didn't travel by car or bus. They either had to go on camelbacks or walk. Some of you that came uh, with us to Israel a a few years ago, you got to experience what it feels like to be on the back of a camel. Imagine that day after day, week after week, on a camel's back. Well, you get the the point. The wise men, the magi, they sacrifice. Their own comfort to find the king and worship him. Listen to what David said about worship and sacrifice. When a landowner, there was a plague that was coming through Israel, and David wanted to, to build an altar and sacrifice a burnt offering to the Lord, and, and, he, and, and the landowner offered to give him the land in which he could build an altar. Offered to give him the sacrifice, the oxen that David would use, a man as the offering to the Lord, as his worship to God. Even give him the wood, anything that David would need in order to build an altar and make sacrifice to the Lord. The landowner offered to give it to him free of charge. Listen to what David says to him in 2 Samuel 24 and 24. Listen to what he says. David says, no, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. David refused. David understood that worship always involves sacrifice. And sacrifice means that there must be a cost that you must bear. Romans says it this way in Romans 12 and 1, he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. To truly worship requires sacrifice. The greatest gift, the greatest sacrifice that God requires is that you and I give ourselves fully and completely to him. You say, but I haven't given God anything today. I say, yes, you have. Even today, you've given something of yourself. Those that are here with me here in the building have given him their time, their their service and abilities. They they prepared, they got up this morning and they prepared for the journey. They got dressed and they got ready to go and seek the king. They got into their cars, gas that they had put in or had to put in to get here. And I would also submit over these last two years, several of you have consistently, faithfully given of yourselves sacrificially. Our musicians, our singers, working worship techs, security, nurses, office workers, maintenance workers, food distribution, armor bearers, and ministers, to ensure the consistency and the stability of this ministry. You've given of yourself sacrificially. Those of you at home watching virtually, you got up this morning to give the Lord your time and your attention to be present Not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, and spiritually to engage in the service from right where you are. And I know that some of you, some of you have been attending service faithfully, physically, in the house that belongs to the Lord. In this house, you've been coming faithfully since August and September. And you would be here right now if we had not decided that for your safety and safety's sake, to go back to full virtual services starting today because of this spike in COVID that's happening here in New York. Some of you have already sent in your tithes and your offerings, either electronically or physically. Others of you are preparing to give today, thank God, to help pay for kingdom expenses. For the upkeep of church facilities. Even if you're not here physically. You know wise people do. You know what my wise husbands and wise fathers and mothers do? It's as if they plant trees for generations to come. Trees that they will not sit under its shade. And others will do that. And that's what you've been doing. You've been investing in this ministry even though you're not in the building physically. Amen. Even though you understand that by the grace of God, you're alive, that you can listen and see. You see, there are expenses, heat and water and insurance and internet, electricity and mortgage and repairs and inspections and supplies. All these have to still be paid to maintain a home base, and this is home base, Church of God of East New York, in order to sustain and maintain a home base of service in this community. And when you give generously to this ministry, you help support the work, which includes purchasing Christian material and training and technology and administration expenses, supporting missions and our national work and salaries and having a home base again to do all the other things that we do here. Amen. As a congregation in this community. These are not all, this is not all that's involved in worship. Because we call it whole life worship. But they are part of the sacrifices that we make to worship God. But here's what I want you to remember. What God wants most of all, above everything else, is you. And you and you. What God wants above everything else is you and I. He wants your heart. He wants your attention 24 7. He wants your thoughts, your treasures, your time, your talents. He wants your occupation, your dreams and plans. He wants your relationships. He wants all of you. The question is asked what am I willing to give him? Am I willing to give him my best? Am I willing to go on a journey, a man that seeks him, a journey to worship him? Am I willing to give up my comfort zone to follow Christ? The Magi were, are you? Last thing, last point, about the journey of people who receive Christmas wisdom as one of God's gifts for the season. It's a journey that always involves faith. It's a journey of worship. But lastly, it's a journey of change. See, you can't grow and remain the same. This journey is a journey of change. Look at verse, amen. verse 12. It says, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Isn't it interesting that after they had found the Christ and worshipped him and presented him gifts, they could not go back the same way they came. After they had found him, worshipped him, presented him gifts, spent time in his presence, they could not go back the same way that they came. That is true even today. Once you truly meet the Savior and give your life to him in whole life worship, you will never be the same again. An encounter with the Lord changes things. It changes you. You know it's true. Just look at your life. It changes you. It's always been that way. If you're the same and nothing in you has changed, not talking about being perfect or perfection, but transformation of the old into the new person in Christ. If nothing is transpiring in the realm of transformation and you are still the same, something's wrong. Now don't get me wrong. When you come to Christ, you still need to be discipled. You still, and hear this, you still may even need some professional help in dealing with issues of your past. You might need to go sit on a couch somewhere and talk to somebody. Who am I talking to? But when Christ takes up residence in your life, when He takes up residence not as a tenant, not as a renter but as the owner he changes things some of you want Christ to be a tenant and he says no I won't be your tenant I've got to be the owner you want him to rent space in your life one day a week he says no that won't work I've got to be a live in owner and He has to occupy, and he'll change things. Jacob wrestled with God and never walked the same the rest of his life. He walked with a limp from then on. He was more humble. He was more willing to mend relationships and not so quick to talk. He was more willing to seek forgiveness. Not perfect, but changed. Not completed, being changed. Isaiah, he stepped into the presence of God, and he was never the same again. You remember what he said in first thing that he cried out in Isaiah chapter 8, chapter 6, verse 5. He cried out, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. He, that's his first response, was to fall on his face before God. But he was changed. Because when the question was asked, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Isaiah stepped up and said, Here am I, send me. He was changed. Job was going through a difficult season in his life. And he began to question God over and over again concerning his sufferings. And then God showed up and spoke up. And Job was speechless. And was a changed man. In Job 40, verse 4, he says, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? He said, I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer twice. But I will say no more. I got no more to say. I, am, I, am, I, I say yes to your will, and I say yes to your way. He was changed change happens when we walk into the presence of God and that's what happened with the Magi when they encountered Christ they were changed this is what happens when we encounter Christ things become different the Magi showed wisdom in their faith to seek the Lord they showed wisdom in their worship of the Lord, with sacrifice, they showed wisdom in their obedience to the Lord by going home a different way. How about you? You're looking for change in your life? Change is not change until it's change. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon. Christmas wisdom is the gift that you need for the season. For this season of your life, whether you're in the the spring of your life, the summer of your life, the autumn of your life, the winter of your life. And it's available right now. And you can have a life-changing encounter with Christ the Lord if you will seek him now. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. The way for you and I to move from bondage to freedom is to embrace God's truth and accept his free gift of grace, mercy, and unconditional love. You got to accept it. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if you will give yourself fully to Christ, you will be changed. Things will be different because you will be different. As you're listening right now, I want to, why not leave the familiar and perhaps that which is even comfortable, the comfort zone of your life and step out in faith and seek the Lord. Why, preacher? It's just a wise thing to do. It's just a wise thing to do. Seek the Lord while he may be found. He says, seek and you will find. I'm going to ask that you close your eyes and bow your heads. Take a moment, think about what I've said to you, what I've shared with you. If ever you needed wisdom, you see the signs as you're journeying through life. You see signs. God has been putting signs before you. He's putting right people. The the people are calling you, telling you that they're praying for you. There's been obstacles that are really signposts that the Lord is saying, you need to get off this path that you're on because it leads to death and destruction. He's been trying to guide you to him. To ignore the signs is to end up at the wrong destination. Father, I pray for those that are listening and looking on. I pray for them. I pray, dear God, for their salvation. I pray, God, that in this moment, they will do the wise thing. That They would seek you. Because if they would seek you, they will find you. And then in finding you, that they would follow you. I pray, oh God, that those that are struggling right now, maybe struggling as Job struggled, I pray, God, that you would speak speak into their lives. I pray, God, for those that are doing unwise things and making unwise choices like Jacob. I pray, God, that you would meet them where they are. And I pray, that, God, for those that want to please you and honor you, that you would meet them like your men, Isaiah that they would respond, Lord, send me, here am I. He said, if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He said, if we would come to you, you would in no wise cast us away. Songwriter says, though millions have come, there's still room for one. There's room at the cross for you. I bid you come. Wisdom says come. Christmas wisdom is available to you. I pray for you. I pray for you. That you would be restored to right relationship with God and with people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us this week. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, share it with your friends, and tag us in your social stories at C-O-G-E-N-Y. Thank you to those who have given generously to this ministry in the past. And if you'd like to become a contributor, head over to cog-eny.com. That's cog-eny.com. And just click on the offering and donations tab. Again, thank you so much. Now, God bless.